Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. Welcome to MLB Daily, your one-stop shop for a lot of BS and a little bit of baseball recaps mixed in between. I am LJ LaFura, the Belly Up Sports beat writer for the Boston Red Sox. Alongside me, I got Brandon Karam. Brandon, how are you doing, buddy? Doing good. Uh, yeah, LJ, I think that's a perfect explanation. A lot of BS, some some baseball uh, here and there, but uh, yeah ready to talk about these games that happened today and uh yeah pretty excited for this show all right brandon take it away all right uh we're gonna start off first uh with the story of the day at least in my mind and that was shohei otani uh once again hitting and pitching uh he became the first player since babe ruth to start a game and also be leading um, the home, the league home run leaderboard. So very cool. The angels scored one in the top of the first on a Jared Walsh single, but in the bottom of the first, the Rangers would jump on Shohei Otani for four runs. Those coming from a Nate Lau three run home run, and then a David Dahl sack fly. But Otani would help himself out with a two RBI double. Mike Trout would single, and we'd be tied at four after two innings. In the third, the Angels' offense came up with more production with uh, Justin Upton and Albert Pujols both going deep, and then Mike Trout would double, making it seven to four. The Angels would add on two more runs, including a Jose Iglesias home run, and they win nine to four. Give the win to Shohei Otani, his first uh, win since 2018. He's now 1-0 on the year. He goes five innings, allowing three hits, four runs, and nine strikeouts. Uh, He goes two for three hitting uh, with two RBIs and a walk. The loss goes to Jordan Lyles, two and two-thirds, ten hits, seven runs. 
The Angels improved to 11 and 10, and the Rangers are now 9 and 14 and have lost four straight. Today's matchup between these two is Jose Quintana taking on Mike Fultonavich. LJ, uh, we once again see Otani do it on, on, on both sides of the ball in the same game. And uh, he certainly didn't pitch the best today, but he uh, sort of made up for it hitting. Yeah, I mean, you're not going to have a gem every single time you go out, but I, I'm i starting to get impressed with it. I, of course, was a bit of an Otani doubter going into the year. The pitching isn't what you want to see right now. The Angels in particular need more, but I certainly cannot complain with what he's doing here. And this is, you know, with the other stories that are on the docket for tonight, you know it's something special to have the first uh, hitter or pitcher up in the home runs in 100 years. You know how special that is when you're going to hear some of the stories we've got coming up. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, I totally agree. Uh, I'm going to take this second recap as well. We're just sort of waiting for the uh, Reds and the Dodgers to finish. So we're going to put that game last. Uh, that game's in the bottom of the 10th right now. But uh, no. Twins and Indians, let's get into it. Uh, Brent Rooker would homer for the Twins to get them on the board. Jorge Polanco, sack fly, made it 2-0 Twins after four innings. The Indians would tie it in the sixth on a double from Eddie Rosario and then a Fran Mill Reyes single. The teams would exchange runs in the eighth inning as Luis Arias singles for the Twins, but then Jose Ramirez tied it back up for the Indians with a home run. The game would be tied 3-3 three to three going to extras, and after the Twins were unable to do anything in the top of the 10th, Jordan Luplo hits his sixth home run of the year for a walk-off win, and Cleveland wins 5-3. to three. The win to Emmanuel Classe for the Indians. We've talked about him quite a bit on this show. He's now gone 10 and a third innings without allowing an earned run. Uh, the loss to Alex Colome, who has really struggled this year uh, after a signing with the Twins this offseason from the White Sox. This loss puts him at one and three. He's unable to record an out in this one, and his season ERA currently sits at 6.75. I know that looking at reliever ERA is certainly not the best uh, when it's this early in the season, but uh, it, this is certainly, uh, I think, pretty indicative of what we've seen from Alex Colome this year. Three, three losses is not good at this point in the year for what was supposed to be a top tier closer. I find it absolutely fascinating how with many relievers, Brandon, you can correct me if you think I'm wrong, but changes of scenery seem to hurt closers more than they help them in a lot of instances, because if a closer or not even just closers, just relievers in general, if they're moving and they're not successful, then odds are they are some form of reclamation project you're a, not going to hear about and might be on a minor league deal where they're getting called up and down throughout the year. So like Alex Coloma is just another in a long line of guys that have failed in a new setting. I think of, well, in particular, Brandon Workman falling apart at the end of last season after going to Philly there, there's more. I'm blanking on them, but oh no, I'm I, there's there's a lot you can think of. I mean, 
basically any uh, reliever that Dave Dombrowski ever tried to trade for. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it just seems like moving relievers works l- less in the favor of the team that acquires them often than it does to keep guys around and build through there. Yeah. All right. Next up, we got the Cubs and the Braves. The Braves started off strong with a four-run inning that was quickly neutralized by a Chris Bryant grand slam. Tied 5-5, reigning MVP Freddie Freeman hit a ridiculous inside fastball from Brandon Workman that resulted in a three-run home run. Brandon, I'm not sure if you saw this, but this was like an inch at best away from hitting Freddie, and he just turned on it. Turned and burned it out to right field. It was it was impressive. Yeah, but only a, only a few hitters can can hit that pitch. It was it, it was very interesting to watch. Um, Wilson Contreras' home run in the eighth made things interesting, but the Cubs fall eight to seven. Give the win to Charlie Morton, who's two and one on the year. He went five and a third of an inning, allowing five earned runs and six strikeouts. The loss will be given to Brandon Workman and the save to Will Smith, his fifth. It will be Trevor Williams versus Ian Anderson today. But Brandon, is it just me? Or, I mean, these two offenses, I just find it so fluky that with how poorly they've been producing all season, they always seem to find a way to score a heck of a lot of runs on ESPN. Yeah. uh... This is Sunday Night Baseball last week, too. Yeah, I agree. Also, I mean, I was just thinking about it. The Cubs and the Braves don't even play in the same division, but the, this is already their second series they played against each other this year. The Cubs have played three series against the the Brewers and now two against the Braves. What is this scheduling early in the year? Why do the Yankees and Red Sox not play till June? Why do the Cubs have five series in April against two teams? Like, why did why? Why there's a lot of questions here. Why did the Red Sox play their two of their first three series against Baltimore? I mean, this is one of the most oddly created schedules that I have not. I haven't, frankly, I have to admit, I haven't looked too hard at it, but I haven't found a explanation as to why this is it doesn't seem to really be regional because like they could have been saying okay we're going to kind of shift teams regionally and keep those series kind of spread there so we know who's been where but it's just so sporadic it feels like to me where these guys where these teams are going that I would really genuinely love to hear the explanation yeah because Chicago and Atlanta are certainly not you know very close to each other it's you know so on the next episode of brandon's a jinx take it away (laughs) jeez uh well let's move on orioles and yankees uh the orioles scored twice in the first two innings on a cedric mullins home run and then a freddie a galvis double the Yankees would get one run back on an Aaron Judge a double in the sixth, but the Orioles pulled away after another home run from Cedric Mullins. The Orioles win four to two. The win goes to Matt Harvey, who's now two and one on the year. 
Six innings, three hits, one run in five Ks for him looked very good. I'm not sure if it was him looking good or the Yankees offense looking bad, but uh, yeah, the loss goes to a Davey Garcia, 0-1 on the year. Uh, he This was his season debut. He goes four innings, allowing three hits, two runs, and four Ks. Uh, for being the uh, youngest player in the American League as of today, um, it's either youngest or second youngest. He really didn't pitch that bad. Uh, only 21 years old. The off-speed stuff seemed to be working pretty well. He was able to throw it for a strike, that kind of a get-me-over curveball for strike one, which I like when pitchers throw that. It shows me that they have confidence in that in that off-speed pitch. Uh, look, he's just young. I mean, he's these these innings are that that we're able to to get him this year. It's only going to help him. I still think he can be a solid starter. Uh, I'm, of course, very skeptical because of the Yankees' track history with our track track record, excuse me, with developing starting pitching. But, um, yeah, I think that he could really be solid. Uh, the save goes to Cesar Valdez, his fifth on the year. With the win, the Orioles are now 10-12 and 12 and the Yankees fall to 9-13. and 13. It will be Corey Kluber taking on Bruce Zimmerman today. Brandon, you realize you are the spilt salt shaker of baseball, right? Wow, that's clearly an analogy. <laughs> a day removed from you saying how the Yankees offense had figured it out. They're on the right track. They get everything. And they get three hit by Matt Harvey. Uh, Matt Harvey, who hasn't been relevant in like four years. Three hits, one earned. I mean, I don't think you can see – I've never seen someone – this is what, at least two things, three things you've jinxed in the past week? <laughs> two? To be fair, I'm going to talk about the A's. The A's was all – No, no, but the A's won today. I'm going to talk about that after, after your, after your uh, recap. I really don't think that's that bad of a jinx. Well, it broke up the streak. It after did. You're talking about the streak. It did. That's a pretty bad jinx. Did uh, Yankees lose? Bruins, Brewers, Marlins, Bruins, Marlins. Shows you where my head's at right now with NHL playoffs coming up. Uh, Corbin Burns continued his record-setting season with nine Ks and zero walks. However, he also allowed four earned runs in today's game. The Marlins tacked on four more after Burns' Burns's exit to win 8 nothing. Give that win to Trevor Rogers. He's now three and one on the year. He went six innings of shutout ball with seven strikeouts. The loss will be given to Corbin Burns, who's now two and two. He went five innings, allowing four earned runs and nine strikeouts. Today's matchup will have Daniel Castano on the bump for Miami against Adrian Hauser. Brandon, I, I got I'm going to answer this myself. I don't think Corbin Burns should be in the PPP. I mean, yeah, you got the strikeouts. You didn't have the walks, but with with four, I can't I can't justify it with four earned, especially with all of the other great pitching performances we have to talk today. Yeah, yeah, that's why I chose not to put him in. Uh, still awesome that he hasn't walked anyone though, which oh yeah, really Fantastic. impressive. I want I want to see it keep going, but not not his best performance today. That isn't any indictment on his ability going forward to still have an very impressive season uh but Brandon this is another really good start from Trevor Rogers 
And, you know, with these rebuilding teams, it's so much of it's about prospects, prospects, prospects when you're on the way up. So could you see a guy like Trevor Rogers being a early trade candidate to go somewhere for a couple of prospects, get on a contending team that really needs more back end of the rotation depth? Uh, honestly, I'm going to say no. Uh, this Miami team has a lot of good young pitching. I mean, you don't have to look far to find guys like Sandy Alcantara, Pablo Lopez, and Sixto Sanchez, who will be coming back at some point. Uh, but Trevor Rogers is this is only his age 23 year, or he was a, a first round draft pick. And, uh, you know, he still, you know, barely played in 2020. Like, 2020 was his first season. He only throws 28 innings. I mean, it's still really early to evaluate this guy. I see where you're coming from, where he could be a, a uh, certainly a very valuable piece in a trade for a team that was looking to win now. But I don't think the, the, uh, the Marlins are going to want to get rid of this guy because we see they, while, while they do have pretty good pitching prospects coming up, they don't have a lot of hitting. Uh, I think that they're going to want to keep this and try to really build up a strong rotation uh, here. And with him being so young and just really, you know, he hasn't really played a lot in the majors, especially that he's a first round draft pick. The team has been putting a lot into him since they picked him. So I don't think that he could be a guy that gets a move, but if he does, I mean, that would be surprising to me, honestly. Yeah. It's really been a very good year for him so far of just cleaning up the things he had to, again, I know it's been a small sample size, but last year was a small sample size as well. He ended up with 28 innings last year. This year, he's already got 20, or no, now he's got uh, 27. Okay. But his numbers are right on point. I mean, we're talking about both in both of his major league seasons, 12 strikeouts per nine so far, four walks, and the big, the only real large change so far is the fact that he's cut down the home runs a lot in these first five starts. So if he can keep that up, that's going to be a huge uh, addition to the rotation they're building in Miami. All right. On to the Oakland A's taking on the Tampa Bay Rays. After the Rays scored on an Austin Meadows sack fly in the first inning, uh, Oakland catcher Sean Murphy would hit a two-run home run in the fourth, and that would be the decider in this one. The A's win 2-1 to one as both pitching staffs look very good. The win to Sean Manaya, the Oakland starter, who's now 3-1. and one. He goes five innings, allowing four hits, one run, and six strikeouts. The loss to Tampa Bay starter Rich Hill, who's now 1-1 one and one on the year, Six innings, two hits, two runs, and 10 strikeouts for him. Lou Trevino picks up his third save of the year. And the A's are now 15-8. and eight. They have won 14 of their last 15 games. The Rays fall to 11-12, and 12, and it will be Frankie Montas taking on Michael Waka today. All right, now to the anti-laser show of the day. Actually, still, still had some lasers. Uh, Rice Hoskins had a big day going yard, not once, but twice for the fills. 
being a real problem and pest for Adam Wainwright. Zach Wheeler had his shut shutout broken with a ground out in the ninth that drove in a run, and Philadelphia takes this one two to one. Give that win to Zach Wheeler, who's now two and two on the year. He went eight innings, allowing one earned run, nine strikeouts, and one hit. The loss will be given to Adam Wainwright, who got today is 0-3 and has today's undeserved loss. He went nine innings, allowing two earned runs and striking out eight batters. The save will be given to Hector Neris, his fourth on the year. Zach Eflin will face Carlos Martinez today in St. Louis. But Brandon, I mean, I know there's obvious, obviously he could have cut out the uh, earned runs, but can you really ask anything more out of Adam Wainwright today? No, he, he pitched very good. Uh, it's pretty rare now that you see a complete game loss. Uh, we haven't seen very, I don't know if we've even seen one of these this season. I can't recall that we've seen one, uh, but yeah, he kept his pitch count down. Uh, he throws less pitches than Zach Wheeler does, who only went eight innings. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. And you could argue had the, the, the much better line only allowing one hit but uh yeah Adam Adam Wainwright you know these last few years of his career never really been flashy but he does get the job done so that's all you can really ask of him and you know it it surprises me more that they kept him in and let his spot in the the lineup come up again in in what was a either a tie or a one-run game they chose not to uh take him out so well I don't recall Brandon you might have a better grasp on this how much have they been using the bullpen the past couple nights because I mean if you've got a guy who Adam Wayne right here clearly was throwing a great game which with the exception of literally only one guy no one else was really harming him I mean Rice Hoskins was the only issue only problem in Adam Wainwright's day so I, I wouldn't see a reason, especially if you already had a tired bullpen, that you're going to pull this guy for anything, uh, especially when you have eight other guys that should that you are paying millions of dollars to hit a baseball, and only one of them has been able to succeed at that that day. So as for the, the bullpen usage, over the past two games, they've only had to get 15 combined outs from their bullpen. <laughs> So not very heavily used at all, uh, but yeah, great, great start from, from Adam Wainwright, great start from Zach Wheeler, uh, but 
or someone has to take the loss there and just happens to be uh, Wade Wright in this situation. We are loving these pitching performances so far this year. Absolutely. Uh, let's move on to the Royals and the Tigers. Carlos Santana homered to give Kansas City a 2-0 lead in the third. The Tigers would tie the game over the next two innings on singles from Miguel Cabrera and Grayson Griner. But the Royals would get a sack fly from Whit Merrifield in the fifth inning to take a 3-2 lead, and that would be your final. The win to Brad Keller, 2-2 two and two on the year now, six innings, eight hits, two runs, and four Ks. The loss to Tigers starter Spencer Turnbull, who's now 1-1 one and one on the year. Six innings, five hits, three runs, and five Ks. Josh Staumont picks up his second save of the year for Kansas City. The Royals are now 14-7 and seven and have won five in a row. The Tigers fall to 7-16 and 16 and have lost five in a row. The Royals travel to Pittsburgh to start a series today. It will be Jacob Junis versus Tyler Anderson. And the Tigers travel to Chicago to take on the White Sox. That will be Jose Arena versus Lucas Giolito. All right, Rockies and Giants. Bats all through the lineup had a day for San Fran, only needing one home run by Buster Posey to score 12 runs. The Giants beat the Rockies 12-0. Give the win to Anthony Disclafani, another fantastic pitching performance today and another fantastic pitching performance for the San Francisco Giants. He's now 2-0 on the year. He went nine innings of shutout ball, striking out nine batters and only allowing three hits. The loss will be Austin Gomers. He's now 1-3 with one and two-thirds of an inning pitched and nine earned runs. Brandon, this, as we're about to talk about in a little while, is not a good start to the post-Jeff Bridge era for these Colorado Rockies. Chiche Gonzalez will take on one of the best teams in baseball who will have Aaron Sanchez on the mound today. All right, second to last game. I'm going to do the Mariners and Astros, and then LJ will take Reds and Dodgers. Uh, for those of you who are wondering, we switched off. So I did all the NL games last week. Uh, LJ did all the AL. We switched off. And then the way that we do it for interleague, whoever is the home team, if it's an American League team, whoever is assigned to AL, it'll be us. So, uh, yeah. Mariners and Astros. Houston scored two in the first inning on a double from Jordan Alvarez and then a single from Yuli Gurriel. Seattle would get one back on a Kyle Lewis uh, home run. That was his first of the year, and that was in the third inning. But Houston would score again in the fourth and the fifth on a Jose Altuve single and then on a Kyle Tucker sack fly. Houston goes on to win 5-2. to two. The win goes to Jose Urquidy, who's now 1-2 and two on the year. He goes six innings, allowing five hits, two runs, and two Ks. The loss goes to Justice Sheffield, uh, who's now 1-2. He goes five and a third, allowing 12 hits, four runs, and striking out four. The save goes to Ryan Presley, his second of the year. And the win puts the Astros back at 500. They're now 11 and 11. The Mariners fall to 13 and 10. Today's matchup will be Christian Javier going for Houston, taking on Seattle's Marco Gonzalez. And for the final game of the night, we've got the Reds and the Dodgers. 
So this game started off as a pretty simple hitting RBIs, well-rounded game for both sides that finds the Dodgers on the losing end in the seventh, down 3-1. Corey Seager unloads on a 412-foot home run to center field to tie the game. This game would stay tied until the top of the 10th, the first extra inning, when Jesse Winker homers 375 feet to left field, which would become the game-winning score, give the win to TJ Anthony. He, his first of the season, he went three innings to pick up this win, and the loss will be given to Kenley Jansen, who allowed that home run in his one inning of work. But Brandon, I know I just gave him the win, gave him the props for those three innings. He deserves it. But we have a new edition of LJ's Bucket Time. We are about to tell a particular Cincinnati Big Red contraption reliever to go sit in the corner and think about what they've done because I didn't think what I saw just a couple of minutes ago and reacted to kind of live. You heard my groan. I did not think that was physically possible to I have a guess of, of who this is. Who do you think is going on in the bucket? Is it Amir Garrett? No, sir. It is TJ Anthony. I Never. wish you could say his name right. <laughs> TJ Antone. Antone. Antone? Well, okay. you know what? TJ Antone doesn't so matter. Bad, no, no. If it's he's so bad that he has to go on the LJ's bucket time, it's okay to mispronounce his name. That's Absolutely. Okay. Because, Brandon, I did not think that you could steal on a right-handed pitcher, steal third base without him throwing the ball. That's correct. You're hearing me correctly when I say this man had Corey Seager, who was the runner on in the, in the extra inning, on second. And before he throws, Corey Seager steals third base, and he just let him go. You're looking directly that way. Is there a good reason for this error? I mean, no one could have the yips that bad that they could not have thrown him out there or at least not been cognizant enough to have him on the ropes and see it happen, wait for it to happen. Yeah, I'm... I'm at a loss for words. Yeah. Uh, Also, kind of a puzzling move. There was just like a weird situation that happened in this game. So I believe it's the ninth inning and the Reds are hitting. Yeah, so heading into the top of the ninth, the the Dodgers send out uh, Dennis Santana, and he's finishing his warm-up. Then the Reds pinch hit Kyle Farmer, or they pinch hit a Joey Votto for Kyle Farmer. So now it's a right-on-left matchup. Then the Dodgers bring in a left-handed reliever who is already warming up in the bullpen. If you are the Reds manager, okay, so you can see, right, I'm sure that they somehow know who is up in the other team's bullpen, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So if you are going to pinch hit your lefty, okay, to come and face a righty, and you know that the Dodgers have – a left-handed pitcher in their bullpen. Why? Because if you make the move first, then all the Dodgers have to do is bring in a pitcher like they did, and uh, Joey Votto got out. 
I just, I don't get it. Like, why? It's just so unnecessary. It's not even like he was pinch hitting for the pitcher. He was pinch hitting for the third baseman. Like, I it, mean, the, the, that just doesn't make sense to me from the Reds' point of view. If you know that they have a left-handed pitcher up, why bring in a left-handed batter when they can easily just switch the pitcher out? Brandon, just to finish up the last segment real quick. Oh, yeah, sorry. DJ Antone. <laughs> Go in the corner and think about what you've done. Okay, back on your point, I can understand that move. I can justify that move because, first off, it makes sense there. But also, Joey Votto's got to be due, right? I mean, this has been an incredibly slow start to the year. He's notorious for starting slow. But he's got to be due to turn this around at some point. So you think okay, maybe this is the spot that's going to come in. You got to trust one of the best players of the past decade to figure himself out and come up in this big spot. But also, who in their right mind would try to play these games with Dave Roberts? Yeah. Dave Roberts is the absolute king of pinch hitting and pitcher substitution. Do you remember from a couple years back, I'm pretty sure he was the winner of it but he's been in some absolute battles with this stuff, particularly one of my favorite managerial moves in baseball, the fake pinch hitter. The fake pinch hitter, you say? The fake pinch hitter. I cannot tell you the game, and I'm 90% sure he was the winning end of it. But basically, he brought out a pinch hitter into the um, on-deck circle that he did not then substitute, was not planning to substitute in the game. Instead, he tricked the opposing manager into making a substitution to get the matchup that they wanted on that pitcher and then didn't pull the hitter. So he absolutely played the guy into a better and a more favorable pitching matchup for him. It was one of the slyest moves I've ever seen. But, yeah, no, don't get in these fights with Dave Roberts. It will not end well for you. Yeah, exactly. It's what I'm saying. Like, why even do it? Especially whether it's a Dave Dave Roberts or a Joe Madden or a Kevin Cash. Oh, real quick. I don't know if you saw the shift that the Rays were playing on, on Kevin Biggio the other day. So <laughs> Kevin Biggio is a left-handed hitter. And the Rays put four outfielders, okay, then they have the, their second baseman in, like, the spot where, like, do you know when you shift, like, really far over and you put that second baseman in short right field? Mm-hmm. So they have four outfielders, and then the second baseman in short right field, the first baseman, like, playing normal position, and then the third baseman playing where the normal third baseman plays. So between third base and basically first base it is wide open up the middle for a ground ball like they must have the stats must show that that a Kevin Biggio is physically incapable of hitting a ground ball up the middle of the field if you I just do you think there's ever going to be a time where the Rays could bring another player onto the field and no one would notice because it's such a confusing and exotic shift that they've got like five outfielders because they snuck somebody into left field that they were that no out one of the bullpen. Yeah, climbs over the bullpen fence and just stands out there to play defense. 
No, but like it's not like an ump is gonna see the pitcher just kind of sneak out of the bullpen in the middle. If it's the middle of an at bat, like, and you're like, yo, we we could use a fourth outfielder. Imagine the chaos that would happen. Like, how would you even like? Well, I I'll tell you what will happen. The game will be played under protest as all of these things seem to happen in the MLB. And then the MLB front off offices will do absolutely nothing about it because that's how every game played under protest goes. They also missed another blatant instant replay call tonight in the A's Rays game. Um, the ump on the field called it out. The replay showed it was safe. And the once again, the the replay center gets away with screwing over the game. Uh, the umps, the the whole system they have is just for the umps to help each other out. Uh, this can't keep happening. Like there's no way you can justify having instant replay and you're still getting calls wrong. Like how can that happen? It's just, I would. I I have just I don't know. Over the years, I've just increasingly become more on the side of no instant replay than more instant replay. Yeah, because if you're going to keep keep uh, getting calls wrong after you bring them to instant replay, why why have it? Like why? I just, I just don't see what it really brings from an overall baseball factor. I mean, sure, you're getting the calls should be getting the calls right in theory, but it a slows the game down. B takes the authenticity out of the game. There's something about having a human umpires out there that makes it exciting. I mean, we're only going to see less and less managers thrown out of games because of this stuff. That was one of, that's one of the most fun things in baseball to see the drama. And it leaves less for people to talk about after the game. There's, in theory, if they were to figure out a proper instant replay system, you're going to have better calls, less things for people to argue about on TV, less content to come from those games. I just don't see what, from us, from the sport as a whole, I don't see what good comes from the instant replay, other than a couple, a couple egregious calls. But again, we've we've lived without it for so long and been plenty happy with baseball. Yeah, tonight, uh, the the Yankees manager Aaron Boone got ejected because. Aaron Judge got thrown out sliding into third base to end an inning. And the Yankees were also, like, scoring a run simultaneously as, as Judge got tagged out. So Boone wanted to challenge either – he wanted to see if he could challenge either call, like whether or not Judge was safe or not and whether or not the Yankees were able to score a run. So you hear an umpire uh, – I, I think so. I think it was John Boyd did the breakdown. You hear the umpire say, all right – that's enough. Like you have to choose. Like, are you challenging? The Yankees chat. Uh, like replay guy is still on the phone. So Boone just goes, "All right, yeah, let's challenge." Like he was gonna figure out what he was gonna challenge by the time he walked out to the umpires. The umpires then go, "No, you can't challenge." And Boone loses his mind, gets thrown out of the game, uh, throws quite a few uh, swear words in there, as every good ejection has um and 
it just goes to show, like, I don't know how that can happen. You know, you give, I, I feel like I've seen so many times where you're we're waiting like a minute after the play ends and then the manager can challenge. And honestly, if even if I was not a Yankees fan, I would be pissed if that happened to my team because like your manager is on the phone or you're, you're a replay guy is on the phone with whoever that's trying to tell you whether or not you can challenge. But I don't know. I guess in, in the long run, it doesn't even matter when we see that there's that they they still manage to get calls wrong even when you do challenge. So like maybe we should just just completely get rid of it. And I never thought I'd say something like that. But like I don't think that getting getting completely rid of it is the solution. But there has to be something different that that we can change to make just it run more smoothly. I understand what you're saying, and this isn't me being anti-Yankee here, I would say this with any team, replay decision should be 30 seconds or less. Absolutely. Yeah. There should be, from, from the end of the play, having any sort of delay, if there's any sort of delay that's legitimate, then I have no issue with a ref, or I'm sorry, not a ref, an umpire, not accepting the review. Because... We've seen it in the NBA where it's completely killed the pace of the game, all these challenges and everything and all of the replay review. So the less time you can commit to that, the better. If you actually also force teams to be focused on whether or not I'm going to challenge it in a super timely manner, then they're going to actually realize they have to find a more efficient way to do that. There should be a guy, the replay review guy should not need a minute. He shouldn't even need more than 10 seconds if he's watching that game with a pause and a rewind button to tell you whether or not. Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team Team Ready. Ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is. So they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready. It's a close enough thing that you that's worth your challenge. You should be able to have that feedback almost instantly if we want this game to be fine. On the other side of things, this should be something that the umpires go to the replay on their own. Yeah. Like I'm not saying I'm not gonna even I'm not even gonna bother with the call at third base. That's a subjective, that's a call. However, there is no reason, and we see, again, basketball is by far not the perfect solution by any means. However, in this situation, they got it right, where if there's something close like that, if there's an out-of-bounds play that's close, that it's something that they can quickly just go and see, they'll take it upon themselves to check that out. It would take 
it would take barely any time and effort for them to see where the tag went down and where the runner was just to be sure of that run. It was so close. Like it was, I think Aaron Boone could have challenged either call and had a pretty good chance to get it. I'd say that the, that the run scoring was the one that he would have challenged because if, if you win that you score a run, like it doesn't matter. The judge is out at that mm-hmm. point. Uh, yeah, but you yeah, know, so I just yeah, yeah, I think that should be something that they're cognizant of the no-brainer things that they can look at easily that don't require any effort. It's a matter of who is where at what point. So that shouldn't happen. But should we get on to the PPP particular uh, yes. players people should care about? LJ, you have a couple starters on there, so I'll let you take it away. All right, so I'm just going to throw them all together because they had absolutely brilliant days. You've got Zach Wheeler and Adam Wainwright who went almost a complete game for Wainwright and an almost complete game for Zach Wheeler where they were absolutely dominant. I mean, Adam Wainwright, if, if Rice Hoskins isn't in that game, who knows what happens? He was the only thorn in Adam Wainwright's side all day. You can't complain with that performance. Zach Wheeler looked fantastic until that last inning where he got a little bit of control issues. And then you've got, of course, Anthony Disclafani, one of the many giant starters that are really stepping up so far this season. So, again, I don't think I can understate how fantastic the pitching has been, how fantastic the pitching talent is in this league right now with all all of the stuff that they're learning to do out on the mound. All right. Uh, my, I just have one and that's a hitter. Uh, I don't see a pretty obvious one. You can say I cheaped out here, but I picked Mike Trout. Look, four for five tonight. He was three for three to start the game. Uh, currently hitting 426, leads the league in OPS at 1.359. Uh, he's on pace to have the best April of his entire career. If if April was to end today, his stats in this in this April would be way better than any other opening month to a Trout season. So, uh, yeah, this guy continues every year to impress us. And there's just like I, we just sort of run out of adjectives and words to use for this guy. Just everything he does, it just breaks all norms that we're used to in in the MLB stats wise value wise just everything Ronald Acuna Jr. is doing some absolutely amazing things right now which just keeps on helping Mike Trout's legacy as I keep hearing as he does these amazing things I keep hearing people say man this is this guy is the second best player in the league Like, you're not hearing that anywhere else. I mean, you've got LeBron James, who is arguably a top five player in the NBA all time. And you're not hearing people say, man, this guy is the second best. No, you're hearing every single person that's in the MVP conversation is considered perhaps the best player in the league. Kawhi Leonard's been considered the best player in the league by some people for the past four years without doing much. Giannis, Giannis, I like Giannis a lot. I'm not going to poop on Giannis, but Paul George has been in that conversation at 
one time or another. Kevin Durant has done absolutely nothing for himself in about five years, and yet he still gets into that that talk as well. So it's it's incredible to me that it's just become a sit back and watch with Mike Trout where you're like, I'm just going to appreciate this. I'm not going to make any debate towards him not being the best. He is the best probably until he retires in most people's minds, I have to think. Well, that's a perfect segue into the leaderboards where we're used to seeing Mike Trout dominate year after year. And uh, not a shocker uh, in terms of war for hitters, It is Mike Trout in the lead with 1.8, Ronald Acuna Jr. with 1.7, and J.D. Martinez in third with 1.4. War for pitchers, it is still a Garrett Cole in first with 1.9, and now we have a two-way tie for second between Jacob deGrom and Corbin Burns. Uh, Even though he did uh, allow a few runs in his start tonight, he still gets a big enough boost uh, to be at 1.8 war home runs. We finally have a leader that is not Ronald Acuna and is in sole possession. That is Reese Hoskins. Really Uh, goes uh, deep twice today. uh, And yeah, he has eight. Now the only player with eight. I had no clue. He had six Brandon. Really? Yeah, that's absolutely shocking to me. I don't know why. I just it wasn't on. My I told radar. you that there was a bunch of guys who could just like end up taking it, and we would just be like, "Oh, like they haven't even been in the conversation at all the whole year." Yeah, this is this has been a crazy year. Also, another side note on on Mike Trout. Is it just me again? I know everything with him is kind of freaky. Three hundred plus home runs at age twenty nine. How often does that happen? I'm pretty sure he's on pace to break the home run record, which would just be like insane for for a guy like him who walks as much as he does. Like, yeah, you don't you don't think of when you when when I think of Mike Trout, I don't think of power slugger that's going to hit a million home runs. I think of literally. I mean, I think of I think of a lot of things, but that's certainly not the first thing I'm thinking of when I think of what Mike Trout does, although I do think about him hitting home runs. But, like, there's so much more well-rounded parts to his game that it isn't his identity. So to have 300 at age 29 – well, he had 300 at age 28, I should be saying. He finished last year – or no, wait, hold up. Yeah, no, 300 at age 28. Yeah, okay, I I was reading it wrong. I had the triples and the home run columns mixed up. I thought he only Mm. did two last year. Which would have been like, so he's had it at 27. That would have been crazy. But yeah, so 300 home runs at age 28. That's impressive. 17 home runs in in 53 games in 2020. Now he has six home runs in 17 games this year. Crazy numbers for him. Uh, Two last uh categories rbis we have a two-way tie uh at 21 and that is between nate lau and jd martinez and then for runs scored uh, i don't think i've done this one yet uh or if i did i only did it once uh and then for runs scored it is mark canna of the oakland athletics he has 23 uh and I believe has a one run lead over uh, a couple people tied for second, but uh, 
yeah, that's it for the leaderboards today. And then we do have uh, two more uh, things to, uh, to talk about. First, we're going to talk about the news that came out today involving the Colorado Rockies. Now, ex-GM Jeff Breidich, uh, he uh, stepped down in a statement released by the Rockies, the team, and executive vice president slash general manager Jeff Breidich have mutually agreed that he will step down from his, his duties with the club. Uh, the Rockies are going to appoint an interim GM for the remainder of the 2021 season, and then they will look for a full-time GM after the season. Uh, LJ, this is a guy who is regarded by, by many to be one of the worst GMs in the last 20 years in the MLB. Uh, he traded away on their Hall of Fame third baseman this offseason in, in a Nolan Arenado and traded away $50 million. And this is after signing Nolan Arenado to a long extension. Uh, but look, he signs Arenado to that extension, promises him that he's going to try to build that team around him and does the exact opposite. Let's all the free agents walk. They sign one free agent this offseason, then that's a CJ Crone. They they're I don't even know where to start with this guy. LJ, I'll let you take it away, but it is a good, great, great, great uh, riddance for the Rockies to get rid of this guy. Brandon, I'm surprised I haven't seen an edit of like partying in downtown Denver with the theme from the end of return of the jedi you know the one where they've the death stars blown up and they're on endor and da, 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 da. <laughs> i'm surprised we haven't seen that because that's basically what just happened for the colorado rockies this man was handed what's it been now six years seven years was it as general manager he was like it was, he's been in the front office for a while but i think it was for a long time yeah let me see uh it's been six or seven, however many years it's been, it's been that many years too long. Yes, because he was handed a very good situation where you've got guys like Arenado, Story, Blackman, all there in your system. And you can build a competitor, but Brandon, over the past, over this time span, all of the players that have actually shown up and been good major league ball players from their system were all there before he became general manager. They haven't developed the prospects. The only thing that he has done that has been a good move was bringing in Herman Marquez, who is going to end up potentially being the best uh, Colorado Rocky pitcher, even with those horrendous numbers, because of course, um, in their franchise's history, like their franchise's history, he's got it. He has a legitimate case to it when all is said and done, which is absolutely wild to me because he's not that good. But he's good, but he's not like fine top tier in the NL or top tier in the NL West. I I question what other teams he goes to and is the ace. Uh, I think that there's, there's a couple, but if he's it's an ace not on the Royals, he's an ace on the Mariners. Oh, Royals. I will argue the Royals. I will give you Baltimore. I will give you yeah. Detroit. I will give you 
You got to give me Seattle. Maybe Seattle. Seattle. All right. So what is that? Three. Four. Air, no. Eh, no. Yeah. No. Not Arizona. I think not Zach, Arizona. Zach way better. Zach Allen's. Um. Not Pittsburgh. The, four. Pittsburgh. Easy. Texas Rangers. Easy. Uh. There's Kyle no Gibson. Seriously. I mean, Herman Marquez has a career ERA plus of 118. So, like, he's, he's been above average. And that's, yes, he and has. That, and that is ballpark adjusted. So, it, it gets rid of those crazy Coors numbers. I'm, I'm just saying, if we cannot name half the league or more yeah. that right now he wouldn't be the ace of that team, then he should by no means be the best pitcher in Colorado Rockies history. And yet somehow he is or could be or like is in that conversation. That's nuts to me. But yeah, that's the only move that he's made for an established prospect in Herman Marquez. And then, of course, it absolutely disgusts me what went on with the team and uh, Nolan Arenado. Not the trade. The trade is something completely different, but the um, disingenuous way in which they made that contract out. If I'm correct, what Brandon was eight years, 280 million? Yeah, but there was some like weird stuff. Basically basically what happened was it was a pretty much a flat uh, contract across for people that don't know. So where it was about the same annual value year after year. And they put a ton of player options in the back end of this deal. They knew that the fan base and the team would go go nuts if they just let him walk into free agency or traded him when he was about to come onto the market. I mean, that would be team suicide to let Arenado walk like that, at least without like giving it a full like giving it your best pitch. And if he says no, he says no, and then you trade him. But if you just let him go without paying him, which would is realistically what they would have rather done. That's not going to end well. You have to agree. That's not one of those situations where you can afford to do that. But so instead, they decide to give him this deal on a flat on a flat line, which they know all too well is going to be grossly below market value for him when it comes time for those player options to start like three years, it's like three years into this contract. The player, no, so he has an opt out after this year. Like he yes. doesn't have to stay with the Cardinals after this. Exactly. Year. So that was, that was the third year of the contract though, wasn't it? Yes. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. So he literally, they, they basically only committed money to him for three years. They're only paying him. They cheaped seven, out. They, they're only, they, they basically made a $70 million contract that looks like 280 million. So anyone who actually looked at that contract knew all too well, they weren't paying that man $280 million. They were going to let him be the bad guy and take the fall for that instead, which they ended up trading him before he could do that. But they ended up like out of that uh, situation that you just said, where, he would end up looking like the bad guy and it would be bad, bad for the team in general, the fan base. They probably did something worse than, than that. Yes, they paid, paid somebody to million, take it. Like you're paying $50 million 
and you're trading away a player who is like going to be a surefire Hall of Famer in my mind. You don't win however many straight gold gloves that he won, and you don't have that offensive production uh, and not be considered for the Hall of Fame this early in your career. Uh, just take it back. Like the, when, when we talked with um, Lucas Smith mm-hmm. with um, the Locked On Cardinals podcast about this trade, they're not a trade. He was like in shock that the the Rockies didn't get back essentially any top prospects from the Cardinals in that deal. It was all mid mid level prospects, and then one MLB starting pitcher in Austin Gomber. Other than that, not good. And Austin Gomber did pitch. Yeah, yeah. Austin Austin got Austin inning in two thirds, nine earned runs. Gomber, <laughs> not good. Not good. I mean, I it's it's a very good good riddance that Jeff Abridich is gone from Colorado. But you know, LJ, like, where do they go from here? Because he ran this team into the ground. They have no farm system, no no money to spend. As the the owners of the Rockies, uh, this guy named Dick Monafort, uh, he is a dick. You know, we've seen that he did not. I mean, he's just as much to blame for that Arenado contract as, oh, yeah. as, as Jeff Breidich is. It's just that you can, if you're the owner, you, you don't ever have to take blame for anything. Is that true? Like if you own a sports team, you can just put, push everything off on your front office and just say, no, like it's not me. I feel like some of the big conversations do end up being on the owner but it also depends on how active the owner becomes within the team. If you're Jerry Jones, like if you're Jerry Jones, everything's on you. Cause you're the owner, coach, manager, head scout, um, team clinician, dietitian of Cowboys quarterback. Yep. Uh, he, he is the captain of the Cowboy, uh, Cowboy girls. Um, where was I going with that? Oh, you were, oh. Yeah. yeah, it depends on how much you're actually incorporated in this. I mean, the Henry's got a bit of a hit on the Mookie trade, which again... Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. I'm I'm glad to see people are starting to see that it probably was the best move if he was going to enter free if it looked in all likelihood to them that he was going to enter free agency anyways yeah because at the time he had like never once said that he w- was going to stay no right? no he never said it before he signed with the Dodgers that he was willing to stay if they gave him the offer they wanted so even with a deal that the majority of the league has gone from turning the Red Sox into a meme for doing it and transitioned into deciding it's the right deal. He's still got a back kick. And this is a guy that has pretty much ignored the Red Sox for the past five years, at least. I mean, it's just, it's something I hadn't noticed until recently, but he never officially spoke 
or like gave a video, any speech to the fans about the Mookie Betts trade. And yet Liverpool gets a full, a full scale YouTuber apology video about the Super League. I mean, that just, that does, that does make me a little bit salty, but I'm not going to get too into that. But yeah, so like he even got a bit of a hit on a team he's barely become involved with on the direct level. Instead, everything went to Heim Bloom, who was specifically brought in to be able to find some under the radar cheap guys and cut payroll right away. But this guy, he absolutely has been involved in that kind of conversation. Uh, Breidich 100% was involved. And I think the majority of the retellings of that story will have both of those names involved in the conversation. I mean, especially because I think the best thing that broke it down again, we always, we, this show always seems to go back to a foolish baseball video, but his video breaking down that contract and everything that happened with it is absolutely perfect. And he put, he put it on the onus on the owner as much as he did on the general manager in that deal. It's, it's on, but it's a, it should go both ways, and hopefully it will go both ways. But another thing for poor Colorado, I do have to say, with the exception of the Broncos, no one cares about Denver. No one cares about Colorado. I mean, I hate to be mean. I'm sorry, any Rockies fans that are listening to this, but the fact that this is just kind of feeling like a minor story and not a celebration that one of the worst uh, GMs in baseball is now no longer with the team. If this guy was doing the things he was doing in New York, in Boston, heck, even if he was doing it in Detroit, there would be more noise made about him leaving than there was for Colorado. This is the best thing that's happened to them in years, and no one seems to actually care. This guy is essentially a Bill O'Brien, but like 10 times worse. <laughs> is, is that fair? Well, I mean... Bill O'Brien is bad, like was bad. It's like, not like, like Jeff Breidich tried to sign Earl Thomas. Yeah, but... He also didn't trade away all of his top players. I mean, I they I mean, they traded one, but it wasn't an ego move. It, it wasn't an ego move. I mean, no, yeah. Know. To be fair, Jeff Jeff Breidich wasn't like the uh, Seattle CEO where he was just kind of saying like, "Oh yeah, we're gonna do all these nice moves to set up our team." I think like Jeff Breidich actually thought the like. He was constructing a good roster, and it was Jeff Breidich tried everything he could. I genuinely, like, I haven't seen any bit of malice out of the way he's conducted himself. It's just he kind of sucked at his job. Like you can't blame a guy for that entirely. Like, can you imagine it, it, if he was like the GM of the Knicks? Like, how much backlash he would take? Um, that's basically every GM of the Knicks. Jeff Breidich is basically every GM. Knicks of the are looking Knicks. good. Knicks are looking good, but uh, yeah, no, but seriously though, let's, let's think about this then again, more on the owner here. You're as a professional, your job is to go out there and do the best job you can. So if we're sitting here thinking he probably did the best thing he thought he could and was still bad, 
the onus has to come on the owner to fire the guy because if your best is bad, you can't just, you're, you're not going to quit on yourself. Somebody has to put an end to it. Yeah. And Jeff, Jeff Reich, it's, it's not only the trades with him. He was also notorious for not wanting to invest heavily in, in analytics, uh, staff for the front office, which, uh, I, I don't know if he hasn't been, uh, you know, paying attention to the MLB, but you kind of need a good analytics staff if you want to, if you want to win, you can't just go right. off. Of, you Especially know. when you're trying to work around course field. But exactly. Brandon, got- like, you would think that they would put such an emphasis on pitching and just like get up. So I don't know. It, it seems like their team has to be built a certain way. And like, it, it's not that unattainable. Just a couple good starters and then enough good ground ball starters. Yeah, ground ball starters and then just all the hitters who hit the ball into the air. Like someone like a Kyle Swarber would be perfect in that's in, in course. Like perfect. All right. Well, we've got one yeah. more thing to do very briefly here today so we don't go overly completely over i think oh we're no we're doing good right now. i think we're just about over an hour so are we really what i thought i could have sworn we started at uh 1 no i think we're actually doing pretty good today so oh wow okay so um, if you guys at least uh, made it to this point in the episode <laughs> thank you <laughs> thanks yeah right, i've made it to this point in the episode uh we've got our hall of fame pick of the week This week, our nominee will be coming from the Texas Rangers. As a reminder, we are picking only active players. Each team will get a nominee. And then during the playoffs in September, we will narrow it down to the final person. And only one will enter the MLB Daily Hall of Fame this year. Brandon, who is your pick for nominee? And I will give mine and then we can debate it a little bit. I am going with Joey Gallo of the Rangers. Uh, This one, probably not a big surprise. He's really the only star power that this Rangers team has now since they traded away a Rufnet Odor to the Yankees. Uh, Yes, Rufnet Odor equals star power, always has. He single-handedly famous for one punch that he made. But, um, yeah, I picked Joey Gallo. Look, this is a guy who is really underrated and is an awesome hitter. Maybe not so far in 2021, but – or actually, you know what? No, I, I lie because in 2021, he's still leading the league in walks, which is something that we needed to see out of him. Uh, he needed to get his walk numbers up because he's a – notorious high strikeout guy but the power that he has is is crazy uh back-to-back 40 home run seasons in 2017 and 2018 he's a career 112 OPS plus hitter so he's been above average and uh for a left-handed bat there in the lineup uh you put him in the the middle of your lineup you're pretty much guaranteed I would say this year he's he's on pace to hit. I mean, he only has one home run. He's going to get to 20, in my opinion, at least. He has too much raw power. Uh, 
to not get it. And then he also brings you great, great a defense. Uh, he won a gold glove in 2020 in the outfield. He was an all-star in 2019. Yeah, uh, I'll take Joey Gallo. There's really not a lot of choices here for uh, Texas, and I think that this was the best player you could get out of there. I think we have one other person you're forgetting that was a great pick out of Texas, Brock Holt. One of my one of my favorite Red Sox ever. Of course, if you don't know him, he is a utility player. Really, from a personality standpoint, very close to that utility player that we all kind of love. That spark plug of energy that's going to have a lot of fun. It's going he's going to have people smiling in the dugout and provide that freshness of a guy who's going to go do everything, give everything to that team. I feel like some of these it's interesting to have so many of these utility players in particular be the ones who are the glue guys on teams. So of course he ends up coming up and having his first legitimate playing time with the Red Sox in 2014, where he made it into the rookie of the year race. He followed this up with an all-star appearance before having a kind of rough time. Brandon, he ended up in the 2016, 17 era, um, fighting vertigo pretty bad so Brandon I'm not sure if you've ever tried this but I'm pretty sure it would be kind of hard to hit a baseball if like three of them were coming at you and you weren't sure which way was up yeah so playing through vertigo and having any sorts of issues like that is really a test unto itself it attributes itself to his numbers slumping in the middle of his time in Boston. But then of course he comes up and is an absolute monster for the Red Sox in 2018. Really again, was absolutely fantastic with them that year. And then in 2019, of course he had a few more injuries there relating to another reason. I absolutely love Brock Holt here, his son, Griff Holt. He hits big bombs, Brandon. Have you seen this kid take BP? I think you've shown me a couple of videos of this kid. Yeah. Uh, big bombs. Big bombs. Big bombs. And then, of course, so Brockle ends up missing time that year with a scratched cornea from his child, which is just not – it's not the injury you want to see, but it's the injury that happened. It's the prototypical stupid baseball injury. The Red Sox then make no, no attempts to re-sign him the following off season in their attempt to cut, uh, cut costs, despite being a fan favorite and let him go on a incredibly cheap deal to Milwaukee, where just a change of scenery was not good for this guy and really needed, had a lot, a lot of things screw him up during that 2020 season, but it really seemed to settle into the 2021 season currently with a 95 OPS plus. Yeah, during 2020, uh, so signs with the the Brewers, plays only 16 games, puts up a negative nine OPS plus in those 16 games. Uh, not ideal. Gets cut by the the Brewers and then signed by the Nationals. Plays 20 games for them and puts up an 81 OPS plus. So an improvement. Oh, and, very much so. I mean, that's 
Yeah, that, that's normaling from already struggling. And then, uh, yeah, like LJ said, he's he's at a a ninety five OPS plus this year. Uh, also, Brock Holt. I have a few pretty uh, fond memories of him. Yeah, you do. In the twenty eighteen playoffs, yes, the sir. Yankees played the Red Sox at Yankee Stadium. Uh, Aaron Boone. Uh, told Luis Severino that the game was starting at the wrong time. Uh, this is a true story. You can look this up. Luis Severino, uh, therefore, prepared to start the game at the wrong time, and his entire, like, pre-game routine was out of whack. Excuses, excuses. Brock Holt hits for the cycle. Uh, even though the last hit was off of a position player so i'm not sure how how valid we can call this cycle uses excuses the red sox win that game uh what was the score 14-1 it was a lot to a little 14 to 1 15 to 1 and of course go on to win the world series that year but brock holt lj certainly you can speak to it a guy who you can literally stick him anywhere in the field and he'll play it i mean shortstop center field, third base, you know, he's, he, he can just play everywhere. He does it all, and he's so much fun and so funny while doing it. I entirely made, left that little detail there just to make you say it. I just wanted to see you squirm there. But, yeah, I mean, there's so many positive memories for all of us with Brock Holt. It's hard not to love this guy, and it's hard not to feel for him having to go to Milwaukee again. I mean, he was – Brandon there are very few players that were as get as settled into the market that they're in as Brock Holt was his family had, I mean, Griffith lived there his entire life. They had a very nice house there. He still has his big fundraising with the Jimmy fund, which he's been doing for years in Boston. And he, he kept on doing it when he went to Milwaukee. So, I mean, he, he's still, connected to the Boston area. It's just a darn shame that he could not continue as a Red Sox. Yeah, you know, it is. But he was, even though he had a rough time with the the Brewers, uh, when he got picked up by Washington last year for September, uh, they did let him appear in two games at pitcher. we got to start a new hashtag because we were doing a pitchers who rake. We're now going to do rakers who pitch. Rakers who pitch. Rakers who pitch. Rakers who pitch. All right. So those are the two nominees. I took Joey Gallo. LJ took Brock Holt for the Texas Rangers. The past nominees for the Boston Red Sox, it was Xander Bogarts. For the New York Yankees, it was. Did I pick Garrett Cole? Or no, I picked I picked DJ LeMahieu for the Yankees. Uh, yeah, so I think that that's going to do it for this one. LJ, was there anything else you wanted to say? Uh, um, we never came to a decision on this. Oh, we have to pick now. That's right. I mean, oh, so we I'm not sure where to go because of the debate you, here. Okay. Um, you've got the – I mean – I we have the best you've got, player. On the you've got the numbers backed guy versus the fun guy. Like, there's See, the thing is that we need to have a good enough mix of like both, because it, 
we don't just want all numbers guys. We don't want all fun guys. I'd so far we have, I'd say two, two numbers guys, but it was also, we didn't really like have much choice as we both chose it for our own team. I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, where else would you realistically, I just think you should also acknowledge your own bias here, Brandon, because I mean, we all know you've got such fond memories of Brock Holt. No, I know, and I know. House of Pain. You're talking about my my bias. When if this guy never played on the Red Sox, you know, you would have never even touched him with a hundred foot pole. If you switch his career and instead of playing on Boston, he plays on the Pirates for his entire career instead. Well, I mean, I, I, all right, you want me to a minute? Yes. He would have been my Hall of Fame pick if he was still a Red Sox. <laughs> all right. I guess we'll settle for, for Brock Holt. We'll no, we, we, can, we, can talk, we can talk this out over the night, and we will let you guys know in the morning. No, seriously. I, I'm actually fine with picking Brock Holt because, you know what, a Joey Gallo, I can tell you right now, he would not be the, the, the winner of this uh, Hall of Fame competition. He would be one of the first guys narrowed out. Uh, frankly, I, frankly, I think Griff Holt alone could win this competition. For the bad teams, it makes more sense to pick guys like this. Yeah. Once we start to get onto more uh, of the good teams, we have to be a little bit more selective. But for for the Texas Rangers, pretty safe to assume that. Whichever Texas okay, Rangers right pick is not going to win the competition. So, yeah. All right. We got the Raker who pitches Brock Holt. Love it. Our Hall of Fame nominees. Well, that is going to do it for episode number 59 of the MLB Daily Podcast. Thank you for listening. Make sure you check out Belly Up Sports on Twitter at Belly Up Sports and at Belly Up Podcast. Make sure you check out our podcast on Twitter at MLB Daily Pod. And then make sure you check out LJ and I on Twitter. LJ is at LJ underscore VP underscore Lafiora. I am at Brandon underscore Karam. Uh, that's going to do it for this one. Have a good day, everyone, and enjoy some baseball on this fine. Tuesday, LJ. See you manana. See you. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hi, I'm Maria. And I'm Mike. And we're Team, team ready. ready. Black Hills Energy knows your home is where your heart is, so they want you to be ready. It's all about keeping you safe, prepared, and making your home as energy efficient as possible. Everything from how to weatherize your home to how to stay safe during extreme weather. Be ready for anything. Go to blackhillsenergy.com slash team ready.